0: Continued education is so important, especially for the entrepreneurial trainer. So we really just wanted to eliminate the barriers to entry, make it super simple for them and offer them a place where they can have everything they could possibly want in a nice way, a, you know, a good aesthetic feel so that their clients can not feel like they're losing anything by leaving the Equinox or leaving the Lifetime. They can still be members of those gyms. But the aesthetic's still there. We, we Basically, the two words would be we wanted to create a place that was sophisticated grit.
1: Hello, everyone. It's Jordan Boxer, your host of Leaders in Sport, a podcast brought to you by Designs for Sport, which is an industry-leading supplement company with all NSF for Sport supplements and education geared to help elevate the industry and support fit pros. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Leaders in Sport. I'm your host, Jordan Boxer, and today... Um, we were actually sort of talking, Nick, Val- how do I say your last name? Valenta. Valenta. You got it. Valenta. It's a very Austrian name. <laughs> Italian. Yeah, I know. It's part <laughs> of my humor. It's a Charles <laughs> joke. Um, gotta
0: take pride in ownership.
1: <laughs> so we were actually, um, discussing right before we were recording, like, what is the purpose of this podcast? Who's coming on? Uh, and you were asking me what it's like trainers. What were you, yeah.
0: Fitness world. Yeah. I'm curious. Who you're bringing on to this. I'm super excited to be on it.
1: So I think you being here is actually a great example of who we're trying to bring on. So, um, yes, we have trainers coming on, strength coaches, dietitians, athletes. But I want to bring people who I view as leaders in this sport industry that we're all in. So um, from what I know about you, you're a serial entrepreneur. You're not a strength coach. Correct. Not a trainer. Correct. Not an athlete. Well... You could bodybuild.
0: <laughs> Former
1: athlete, I guess. What'd you play?
0: Football, ran track hurdles. Um, probably the shortest hurdler in my high school. And basketball. Oh, really?
1: <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that.
0: I went to like a Friday Night Lights high school, so a lot of my friends or people at my high school are playing professional sports now. Mm-hmm. I uh, took the business route. So knew from a young age sort of what I wanted to do on the finance side and, um, love nutrition, love fitness, but never did anything on the certification route with fitness, um, private equity background. And then started a few things with Evo obviously being probably the main point of discussion today. But
1: what, what was it like growing up in a Friday night light school? Cause like I'm from Canada. We don't have, that doesn't exist. Like I made the football team.
0: That's, yeah. yeah you know, uh, I'm, I
1: was 5'6", 170 pounds, and I made the football team. So What position were you? I was a cornerback.
0: Oh, amazing. Yeah. lockdown corner, I bet.
1: Yeah, I played. I didn't start ever, and I played in three games. Again, to show you, like, I would play in zero games anywhere in the U.S., but... Sports aren't that celebrated in Canada, so...
0: It's the exact opposite. I went to Coppell <clears throat> High School, which is 30 minutes outside of Dallas, and the entire town shut down for our football games. We have a full football field indoor, it's so like turf indoor. I mean, the gym is insane. I don't know what the square footage is, probably 30,000 square foot facility for mm-hmm. high school athletes, plus the indoor turf, plus obviously... a you know, the outdoor stadium that seats like 14,000 people. I mean, it was, (laughs) we had our quarterback got pulled over before one of the games. In my senior year, we were pretty good. We were undefeated in the regular season. Um, And our quarterback got pulled over for a stupid thing. Like he was driving through a parking lot and that's illegal to cut through a parking lot police pulled him over, found out that he was number 12, you know, the quarterback, and let him go.
1: So that so all that stuff you see in shows is real. It is real. Wow. Yeah, because I watched Friday Night Lights, and it's like there's that scene where, it was in the first season, where their star defensive guy, like, beats the shit out of somebody, and they get him out of jail, and they, like, cover it up, and, like... We, yeah, <clears throat> I mean, I don't, I don't... I don't think it's that extreme in real life, but I'm just...
0: We, there is definitely... A high moral standard, which I give credit to our coaches then, like there was no covering it up. And we did have some stupid high school athletes do silly things because they're high school boys. Mm -hmm. And they were, you know, once there was a warning, the team knew about it. And then the second time, you know, any sort of drug related stuff, even not bad, you know, some stuff that's legal in other states now, kids got caught and were kicked off the team. Oh, wow. So there wasn't covering up, and they were you know, great, great athletes. I mean, our senior year, in the summer, you have seven-on-seven, seven, so you go around the state and you play in different tournaments and you're running some of the plays that you're going to run during the season. So I was a wide receiver, which is, you know, so I was on the seven-on-seven seven team, and um, we went away to, like, the state tournament, I guess, at A&M and College Station, and eight kids – Decided it would be a good idea to hot box a hotel room next door to the, the coach, the parent coach. <laughs> so that didn't end well. Right. Um, so, yeah, there was no covering up. We had to, we were required to, you know, be good, upstanding citizens. I mean, a lot of what I loved about high school sports, at least for us, was that we learned a lot of life lessons i think that was kind of the point which was awesome i mean once i got to college and some kids were behind on stuff like that it felt good knowing that okay the four years that i woke up at 5 30 in the morning to go to practice and stuff that i thought would never be significant in my future mattered mm-hmm. a lot
1: uh so you're in high school you're an athlete did you play college sports
0: I didn't. I wasn't I wasn't amazing, and I had, I mean, I wasn't bad, but I, I, you know, 5'10", white receiver that was decently fast and had good hands, but I also, my goal wasn't, there was a very obvious ending point, so maybe I could have played at a lower tier college, I had a few, like, walk-on ability mm-hmm. options, but that's... It would have just been a waste of four years because my goal was to get in. So I went to SMU, um, wanted to go to Columbia, was able to go to Columbia, followed, I mean, again, high school sports, followed my then girlfriend to SMU. Because if I I went to Columbia, we were breaking up, and I thought at the time that that was
1: the end of the world. Yeah, so I,
0: I went to SMU, and I got in. There were 80 kids that got in to the business school early. So you normally apply as a sophomore. Um, I don't know how it works, but if you have, you know, good resume or whatever, you can get in early as a BBA scholar. And so I was able to take junior, senior level classes as a freshman. One of them was an entrepreneurship class. Mm -hmm. So intro to entrepreneurship, it ended up being, you know, my then capstone as a senior was also an entrepreneurship course where you, build out an entire business and write the business plan, you know, do the financial model because it was in the business school. So at that point, if you're a senior, you should have all the financial so like
1: how to run a PL and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um we didn't create a prospectus, but what would go into it, the financials that private equity firms, VC firms, angel investors are looking for, what you would want to hit, why it would be relevant, you know, with the business that you're starting. Um but freshman year was great because I got to jumpstart that and I didn't have to play football because SMU, I was not relevant to play at SMU. They didn't care about me. So I just got to jump into business, which is what I wanted to do anyways. And then the major benefit of SMU is it's one of the few schools that, you know, the business professionals in Dallas at least care a lot about. So there's a lot of love and support for SMU in the Dallas community. So I got to be um, you know, growth was accelerated by learning from the business professionals of Dallas that tied into SMU.
1: Yeah, Dallas is a, <clears throat> a unique city, it I is. find. Like, I'm, I have a decent amount of friends here, and one of my friends uh, who's in the urgent care space, we were, we were out for dinner last night, and we were talking about, like, he gave up this reference. He's like, you know, let's say you're a little ball of energy, and you're in this, like, um, like contained bowl, and you're just going back and forth by yourself. It's whatever. But then it's like you add 50 more little balls of energy and you guys are firing around. He's like, that's Dallas. Like, everywhere you turn, there's some... This guy's a tech guy. This guy's an oil guy. This guy's, like, a VC guy. Like, there's a lot of success. He was telling me... I think they're expecting by, like, 2025, 2026 to be, like, New York, LA, Dallas. But Dallas is, like, far smaller. Yep. And... um, it's something I love about this spot is this entrepreneurial like energy that's in the city, and um, yeah. So you know, it's, we, it's like
0: it's a big it's a big city with a small town feel. I yes, mean, it, it was. We played poker. <clears throat> we play poker every couple of weeks, friends. It's just a good way for you know a group of nine of our friends to get together and hang out and whatnot. And someone's about to go into a deal, and it's so funny because in Dallas, the question is, well, do you know? this person, this person, they're about to invest with them. And it's like, well, do you know these people? Because if you don't, then I'm going to have to do more, you know, more due diligence on it's who like they It's like GR's geography that I play. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah it is. And it's um, everyone. The other benefit is everyone is supportive for the most part in Dallas. It's not like this is mine. I need to run in my own lane. It's, okay, you're doing this. How can we help integrate into what you're mm-hmm. doing? Unless we're direct competitors, then maybe it's harder. But
1: Yeah, and so actually, you know, you're like, why, why are you here on the Leaders in Sport podcast? So, um, you know, we have a few avatars that buy from us. So we have, like, strength coaches part of teams. We have dietitians who are part of teams. Um, but a big part of our business and a lot of people listening are – entrepreneurs who are strength coaches. So they run like their own business, whether they're a trainer in somebody else's gym, uh, or they have their own gym and they do, uh, you know, generally like one-on-one high-end training. And I thought it'd be interesting to have your mind here. Cause you know, from the day we met, I was like, yeah, this guy's like a serial entrepreneur and you know, he's going to blow up it's just a matter of like how much he wants to blow up. Like you, you have that mind. And I was hoping you could share some insights i guess to some of the because you understand our space too so i guess let's talk about evo i think that might be a good yeah transition so i got to go yesterday um how was it aesthetically one of the nicest gyms i've ever been in uh you walk in the door there's every atlantis machine that you could possibly want with this like beautiful like light brown leather your guys logo stamped on every piece um you got a like for me you had a boxing ring you had the the cage i was like this is an amazing spot but when we were talking yesterday, I thought it was because it's so large. I'm like, "Oh, this is clearly going to be like a high end Gen Pop gym," and you're telling me, "No, it's right. wanna, yeah,
0: yeah." The we built an 18,000 square foot playground that we hope will prove out. I mean, it opened in February, so we're only two months in, but the idea came about in October of 2020, so it's been a long process to get to where we're at. But the goal is to be co-working for trainers. So mm-hmm. it it blows my mind. If you think about every other business industry, there's sort of a a stepping stone process of okay, you get out, let's say you're in finance. Well, all right, you get out of college, you're gonna go do investment banking or some subsect of finance for two years. You're gonna work like crazy, you're gonna learn a lot, you're gonna shake a lot of hands. Build your book. Yeah, build yeah. your book. You're gonna then maybe go get an MBA. And then you're going to work for a more specialized firm, really learn the ropes, and then start your own thing. Or maybe you stay in that company forever. But if the end goal is to start your own thing, there's a path. That's the path. Yeah. And the same thing holds true for trainers, except at the end of the road, there's nothing really for them. So they, I want to be a personal trainer. Okay. Well, you get certified, you go work at a big box gym or a boutique gym that feeds you clients, that helps you build the trainer. You're, you know, sweeping the floors at some places, you're cleaning the bathrooms at some places, but you're building this book and it's worth it. You're making not a lot of money, but the experience matters. Same thing as in other industries. But then once you have your book, you're still sharing 40 to 60% of what you're making back to the gym. And there's no next step. The next step would be open your own gym, but high barriers to entry because you It's a
1: big liquid investment. Yeah, yeah, and
0: probably personally guaranteeing, even if it's a small square footage spot, you need to buy or lease the equipment. To buy or lease all the equipment that you would probably want that you're offering your clients in your big box gym is, from experience, <laughs> a very expensive endeavor. Um, Do you
1: mind sharing how much, like, are you comfortable sharing the investment on equipment?
0: Um. I'd prefer not okay. to, if that's okay. We I'm just, sure
1: I could get a few nice cars for everything that's in that gym.
0: You, yeah, you could get, depending on what your dream car is, yes, you could have a garage.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and I love Atlantis. I mean, we we have 50 yards of turf, a ton of Atlantis equipment, all the foreman boxing stuff, Olympic platforms, and then, you know, education room, which I think is so important. So think conference room, but we can fit 25 people in there. and you could come and speak, um, someone on functional movement or biomechanics Mm -hmm. could come and speak. Like, continued education is so important, especially for the entrepreneurial trainer. So we really just wanted to eliminate the barriers to entry, make it super simple for them, and offer them a place where they can have everything they could possibly want in a nice way, a, a good aesthetic feel, so that their clients can not feel like they're losing anything by Leaving the Equinox or leaving the Lifetime, they can still be members of those gyms, um, but the aesthetic's still there. We we basically the two words would be we wanted to create a place that was sophisticated, grit. So you feel
1: mm. amazing, like you're in this like super high end. I that's actually probably the when you say that, that's exactly what it felt like.
0: Yeah, you're there to for a purpose. You're there to train and to grow as an individual physically. But it's also beautiful and it doesn't feel like you're in a garage.
1: No. And, you know, one of my favorite books is Lean Startup. I'm sure you've read it. Yeah. It's like every entrepreneur's book. And they talk a lot about the minimal viable product. And I, it's funny as you're saying this, I'm like, you're right. It's hard. What is the MVP for a trainer who wants to not just work at a big box gym?
0: get three or four trainers and go in on a 4,000, 5,000 square foot space. Right.
1: Which could be hundreds of thousands of dollars after the equipment rent, you know, renovating all these things. <clears throat> and I think what you're creating is that ability to have like an MVP training business. Cause how does, so if a but, trainer won, yeah,
0: sorry, MVP, though maximum viable product for <laughs> us, we wanted to create the end goal, not the minimum viable product.
1: So let's talk a bit about the model itself. Um so you're you have one location now. It's in Frisco, is that right?
0: Yeah, it's on the edge of it's bit technically Plano, which is right. Plano, next sorry, to Frisco. Plano.
1: Okay. And I'm a trainer, I'm a strength coach. I've been working at Equinox for um I don't know, five years. It's two hundred dollars an hour for my services. I see what, around fifty dollars, I think, of that two hundred. You'll maybe see
0: you'll see forty to sixty percent based on how often you work. Okay. So 80 to one
1: hundred. So I'm seeing bucks. 100 out of the 200. What would be the benefit to me coming into an environment like yours? Like, yeah. find, like, how does that look?
0: Fantastic question. Everything. I mean, if you already have a book of business, one, you're going to make 100% of what you bill. Mm-hmm. So And we're not charging your clients. So they can stay at Equinox. Your clients can still be, you know, working out at Equinox when they're not personal training with you. But when they're personal training with you, you, If you wanted to, you could charge them less. You would make more. Even if you charge them $150 you're ma- instead of $200, you're making 100% of that. We're not taking anything, and you have one expense every month. You pay flat rate to us per month.
1: What would a flat rate
0: cost? $1,200. $1, $1, we have packages where you can prepay six months and 12 months where it's less expensive. But you know, with, with that math, if you're... A hundred fifty dollars, or even a hundred dollars. You know that's twelve sessions in a month. So in two days,
1: and you've made your money. You've
0: made your money, and then the other twenty eight days is you know just on top of that. And then the other benefit, aside from doing a minimum viable product with three four trainers, is you know I have a creative agency, so heavy in the marketing, branding background. So even if three or four trainers banded together, left Equinox, you know personally guaranteed a lease, bought all the equipment, went in. They're going to have their clients probably follow them. But how do you get new clients? Unless you own, and what happens when you have attrition and clients leave? Like You're going to need to market your facility. So we're already doing that.
1: So it's almost like the benefits of a franchise. Yes. With a $1,200 a month investment. Yeah, I think, look, I think there's people, you know, um, we have people on our board like Dave Lawrence. He owns five gyms. He's never going to want that model that you have. But there's a lot of strength coaches I meet who want the dominion of like, I own my own business, Yeah, but they don't want to like, listen, I manage a team of eight and I get stressed. <laughs> like it's, it's a lot of work when you manage people. Like people don't realize, I think until they get into it, like it's a big responsibility. You care for who works with you. You want to make sure they're happy. They're maximizing their life. And it's a, it's. Definitely, Like I grew up, my all my family's entrepreneurs, like everyone. So like my dad owns his own business, my mom, my stepdad, like everybody. So I've seen it from the other side. But then when you experience it, you're like, yeah, that is a lot of work. But I think what you're offering is very, like, it's like, hey, this is my fixed cost. But then I get all the other upsides of being a business owner. Because when you're at Equinox or any of these other places, like why do people like being entrepreneurs? Like I work hard to get the freedom. Yes. You have zero freedom working at one of those big box gyms.
0: Yeah, you can work. The, the most incredible thing for us to see with starting Evo was we had a trainer come in who was at another gym who worked 50 to 60 hours a week, not making great money. She told us exactly what she was making. She left. She now works two days a week. She works mm. Tuesdays and Thursdays. She filled her entire schedule Tuesday and Thursday, and that's it. So she has five days of the week off. She's making more money than she was at her previous gym, and she's way happier. Yeah, We love, love, and in every business that we have, the goal is to empower, you know, our end user, and in this case, our end user is trainers, and our sole goal is to empower trainers to be, you know, the best that they can be as a small business owner running their brand, which is themselves and helping them ma- giving giving them all the tools to maximize their brand so they can grow and and that may be a tuesday thursday i'm full and that's all i want and that may be i want to work 6 days a week 10 hours a day and just crank through people um either way works for us we just we just want to make sure that they have the tools that keep their clients happy and them happy in our facility
1: yeah it's a it's an interesting model i think um you know, one, one thing you're bringing up and it's almost in this culture of like work hard, work hard, work hard, put more hours in, work hard, put more hours. And sometimes when you're stuck in a business, you don't have the ability to like pull yourself out to look at like what might be the best move on the chessboard. And you bring up a good point, especially for these trainers. Like a lot of trainers are stuck in the um, here's my hour. I have to work my hour to get paid. And they they command, you know. When you're charging $150, $200 an hour, especially in an environment like yours where you get to maintain all of it, it's a really good income. So you get worried about, like, do I want to give it up? But if you look at it like, hey, if I'm charging a little bit more for my hour or even a little less, like moving from an Equinox into this environment, you could work less, make the same money, have a better work-life balance. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And there's, I mean, America especially... We're so focused, like you said, on the work, 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 grind till you die. But for what? You know, I, I think working hard's super important, but you also have to be able to enjoy every single moment. And there's beauty in being able to not have to do anything on a Saturday. I mean, I I work a lot, but I love what I do and I still shut off. No one can reach me on Sunday. Sunday's my day. No one can reach me my girlfriend and I go to church. We do whatever we want to do. If someone calls me, unless it's an absolute emergency, I'm probably not answering it. And it's just a good way to reset. And then this with Evo allows trainers to get out of the, you know, the rat race and spinning the wheel and really, you know, it's sort of like getting out of the darkness of the cave, like Plato's allegory of the cave, like we're providing the light. Some trainers will stay in big box retail because they don't. There's fears, obviously. You're going out on your own. Will you be able to have enough clients? Will we, you know, as the gym owners, provide you with clients, which we're helping a little bit, but that's not really our business model. Um, so I, I, there are fears, but I, once the people make the jump, we have consistently seen so far that it's been incredibly positive.
1: So, one, one thing I love about entrepreneurs is. Um, the relationship to fear yeah so it's like uh, there's uh, i can't remember the author of a book there's a book called driven and he talks about three types of people there's sheep there's shepherds and there's wolves and sheep are like you know people who just like to follow rules it's not meant to be a negative thing let's say like i want to wake up i want to know i have a firm paycheck i do my thing every day Wolves like to take advantage of the sheep and then shepherds like to help utilize the sheep, see the dangers of the outside world, keep them safe while navigating like everyone to grow together. And entrepreneurs tend to be shepherds. <clears throat> but to be a shepherd is actually a very fearful thing because you're, you've taken the red pill, you're aware of the dangers of the outside world. Um, and so, you know, you're relatively young, but like mature and experienced in business. And I feel like you've had a really good relationship with this fear idea so talking to some of the trainers listening like how would you help them push through that fear of like starting to go down this path of betting on themselves like let's say we have some trainers who are working at big box gyms they're thinking about okay I want to step out on my own there's an, there's now an option like yours which takes a lot of the big investment away but there's still that fear how have you navigated the fear to be able to bet on yourself? And how would you recommend people to navigate their fear? Is that too long of a question? No, yeah, sense? two
0: parts. Great question. So, for me, um, I'll answer it in order. I put things into, I don't think everything in the world is binary. I think there's a lot of gray. Mm-hmm. But for this, I do think it's binary. There are, it's very simple. There's things you can control and there's things that you can't. And we focus so much on worrying about the things we can't control. If you can control it, be the best in everything that you can control and the outcome will be great. If you can't control it, don't even think about it. There's zero reasons to stay up at night worrying about stuff that is completely out of your control. So for trainers, what they can control is reaching out to potential clients, you know, posting on social media. We just kind of, to answer the second part of the question, the ones that are fearful, that gawk it, a month is expensive, we, one, need them to see the space. Because the flip side of charging less for someone at Equinox is you can also charge more because the space is so nice, offers so much, you know, so on and so forth. Um, But we we sit down with them and on paper go through, okay, what does that dollar amount actually mean with sessions? Because some people just jump to okay, that number is expensive. They don't actually think about, you know, I'm very finance-like numbers quantitatively driven with some creative. But I think some people just glaze over the finances.
1: We go through the same thing at DFS because we have very high-end supplements. Having a high-end supplement means our raw ingredients are top of the line. Top of the line raw ingredients cost a little bit more money. So when people are like, wow, your, your beef protein's like, a, it's $90 retail. It's like, yeah, it's grass-fed beef from Sweden with no fillers. And I was talking to a friend of mine who buys this big carnivore protein. And he's like, oh, but this is beef protein. We turn the bottle over and it's like a six inch list of ingredients. Oh gosh. Of like all these different fillers. And it's like, do you want the clean, pure ingredient that costs the most amount of money and going to cause you the least amount of issues? Or do you want the others, which is, yeah, sure. There's some beef in there, but it's filled with like red dye 40 and like all these other different things that, you know, can cause harm. And it's getting people to see, see the light similar to like your gym to me is like, it's the, it's the Rolls Royce of gyms. Like I walked in there, I was like, you can't make this place nicer. Like, I don't know what you would Thank do. You. No, like really, I'm <laughs> like, I don't know how you'd make it nicer, but I want us to pull back a bit. Um, so like, I, I coach some people and, and I talk a lot about what you just said, which is like, don't worry about what you can't control. That's a very easy thing to say. So what are some steps for some of the people listening that they can actually start to stop worrying about things that they can't control? Because just saying that to someone is like, especially Great. if, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. Like, no problem. You can't control it. Yeah, but we've you all, sound self right we've, right. we've all been in the anxiety of like, I, my brain is spinning. I can't sleep. How am I going to pay rent? Okay, I got kids I got to support. I, like all these fears that pop up. So what are some steps you've taken in your life to stop worrying about the things that you can't control?
0: So I I love journaling, and mm-hmm. I, I write down several things every single week. So going back to my Sunday, unplugging, I don't do this every week, but for the most part, I try to. Um, I'm human. Every Sunday evening, I try to plan out, not structured of what I need to do every single hour, but the big tasks that I need to accomplish in the week, mm-hmm. the things that I can control. All right, so this week I need to... We're putting up you know, new vinyl in the gym, and I need to make sure that all the measurements are right for that. We're obviously building our website right now because that needs to go live. We're planning our grand opening for May 20th. Like, There's a lot of those things that are in my control, and, and then I need to hand them out. So I try to like hurry up and wait. So I try to get all my stuff done because then I have to push it out to someone else, which I then can't control because it's on someone else to complete their job. And so if I get my stuff done faster, then, you know, it's the hurry up and wait mentality of, all right, however long they take, I've kind of built in that buffer. So I write down like the macro big things I need to get done. And then I try to write down the smaller things of how I get there. Mm -hmm. So grand opening for the gym, for example, we know it's going to be May 20th. We know there's seven categories of things we want to have there, you know, some sort of competition component. But then the competition needs to be not just for strength, not just for speed. Like, we need to have something for everyone. There needs to be some sort of food component, some sort of music component. So how do we get there? Well,
1: there is Eric Pritz DJing. <laughs> that would be sweet. That would be sweet. Sorry, continue. If you could set that up, maybe we could. <laughs> I can I can push play on his Spotify. Out <laughs> on his, uh... See what he's doing May 20th. Yeah.
0: Um, and yeah, and then I write out like the little things of the actual tasks. And I won't be able to get every single task done in a day, but if I can check off, you just need that dopamine relief of feeling accomplished. So if you can, you need small wins and then you need three to five big tasks that you can complete in a day.
1: Yeah. That's very similar to what I recommend people. Um, what I try to get them to do is like write down everything you can't control and now write down everything you can control and just go do the things you can control, which again, is easy to say, but your systems, it's it's the same. It's getting like an action plan and taking action to where we can.
0: And then when something comes up that is stressful but out of your control, figure out what in there, if anything, you can, you know, control or fix mm-hmm. and do that. And then, and, I mean, it sounds simple, but then just sort of forget about the rest because it's either going to get handled or it's not.
1: Yeah. and. You know, I think so. One thing I've noticed about entrepreneurs is a lot of them live on their own island. And what's coming to me now while we're talking, and especially with your situation you're setting up, it's almost like a benefit where you're building a community of these entrepreneurs sharing a space. Yes. Um, How important is it for you to have like mentors and people you look up to um, as an entrepreneur and framing it for the trainer? How much energy, like, let's say you had 100% of mentorship, because I'm assuming you're going to be like, yeah, it's important. So with that assumption, how much time do you think they should be putting into, like, business mentorship? Because I feel, like, you deal with a lot of trainers. Like, how many of them do you think just keep searching to improve their skills, improve their skills, get the skills, get the skills for training, but they sort of leave all this other side of entrepreneurship to the, side, to, to the wasteland? Like, they don't really focus on it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd say a majority of people in general, even outside of trainers, focus on what they're good at and forget to grow in the areas that they're not Mm -hmm. good. And I mean, mentorship for me is incredibly important. I was, my mom's incredible. I was raised by a single woman. And because of that, not having a father growing up, I sought leaders in my life. So I'm a very curious person and I will always ask questions and I care to understand the why behind things. and pretty. Blunt at times. I mean when I was in seventh grade, my best friend's dad was a partner or managing partner at Deloitte on the tax side and He had nice cars and he was an awesome dad and you know an amazing husband and I just really respected who he was as a person And and I had no concept of money I was 11 or whatever. I was in seventh grade and I said, you know, Mr. Wright, How much money do you make on an hourly basis? And he told me and he walked me through it. And I really respect that because even though it meant nothing to me, I respect that he took the time to go through the process because now looking back, it's like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And that's the number that I need to reach you, these
1: goals. You hit on such a good point. Like in my network and, and who I look to is like my support. The openness we all have about money is something that we're taught like young. Don't talk about it. But you know, when I talk to my, my friends and it's like, hey, I'm pulling this deal. And, you know, right now I'm making 85 a month and I want to get to 105. And someone else is like, I'm stuck at like 30. I can't pass 30 a month. And, and it's like this openness is very interesting amongst entrepreneurs. And I'm wondering with trainers.
0: It's just as important.
1: Yeah, because we're in a fringe. I, I know we think we're not in a fringe industry. And I guess it's not fringe anymore, but I think it's so far from being mature. Like 30 years ago, having a personal trainer was like this rare thing. And now people are seeing the benefit they're investing in their health. Actually, um, Aaron, do you mind pulling up a quick stat, like how many uh, trainers there are in the U.S.? Sure. So, yeah, like it's imagine now if everyone it's this this it's actually one of our um, um, values at DFS is. All, you know, we were like, as a teamwork make is the best way to it's like, go fast, go alone, go far, go together or rising tide raises all ships. And, and this is why we have the DFS mastermind that we're doing or, our, you know, every month we do our masterclasses and we have our summit that's coming up at the end of April is um, this idea of like, we should have more sharing in the space. And I think what would be good. So there's 834,000 personal trainers in the U.S which is an increase of 4.7, which is, is pretty high for in 2022. So that sounds like a big number, but how, there's 300 and... How many people are in the U.S. right now? 350 million? <laughs> so even if every trainer there dealt with 20 people, what is that? 16 million?
0: Pretty small. No,
1: wait. What's 800,000 times 20? Why is my brain... You're right. You're yeah, right. okay. Yeah, yeah. That's nowhere near the population. And... Yeah, it's just, I think having that one, Sachin Patel, who I used to know, I I know really well, sorry. I worked with him a lot when I was at DFH. um, He always talked about how like functional medicine practitioners, there's not enough of them for the health epidemic that's coming. And I feel when we started DFS, that was one of the main things is like, the personal trainer is the GP of natural health. I've been saying that for years. They're the GP of natural health. They're who people go to like... um, You know, you're training four times a week. You're seen way more than a doctor. You go to the doctor every whatever. Hey, I'm not sleeping. I got pain. You know, my energy's low, blah, 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 blah. Like trainers do, I think, need to start thinking themselves as more than just someone who counts reps. Completely agree.
0: And they have a captive audience. So the same as a doctor, they Mm -hmm. already have a captive audience of people that are literally paying them so that they can move better. Mm -hmm. Whether that's get stronger, get faster, or just live a healthier life you know, with maybe less weight, whatever it is, there's a million reasons why you'd see a trainer, but they're only getting one part of the answer because there's, you know, the saying that whatever the percentage is, 90% of it is in the kitchen. Well, supplementation feeds right into that. So if you're paying the money to see a trainer to get that part done, but you're not doing the other piece, which is more important, you're missing out. You're not optimizing the money that you're spending with a trainer. So trainers really are incentivized to learn more and grow so that they can help direct their you know existing yeah. clientele.
1: Yeah. I think um Aaron sorry if you could pull up one more thing. Can you look up how many Americans percentage wise use supplements right now?
0: It's high, it's like 40%. I think
1: it I think it's way more than that now.
0: There is a stat that we found cuz during COVID a lot of gyms shut down and the gyms that stayed open had a supplement, supplement business. Yeah. About half of them did.
1: And Something that, um, this is where it's like, you got to think of an entrepreneur. So there's a great book. It's called 10X is Easier Than 2X. It's by Benjamin Hardy. And he discusses this concept of like 80% of your income comes from 20% of your clients, right? The Pareto Principle, meaning um, the 20% of your effort is creating 80% of your income kind of thing, like the, that calculated effort. And the way to 10x is actually taking instead of just pumping more energy into this one revenue stream, it's like okay, let's open up a a sibling revenue stream on this end, and one, and that's where we really see ourselves as a benefit to trainers is we have really high end supplements. If you look at our our uh, sports nutrition specialists, like we have Jill, who's dealt with dozens of pro athletes, youth athletes, has been a nutritionist forever. We have Melissa, who I know you're familiar with, who like um, has worked in the bodybuilding realm with clients and has her own, you know, nutrition practice. And we have Ryan who's been in the functional medicine industry for 10 years. And we want to, um, one of our mantras is like, how do we help elevate the industry and how do we help these trainers? Cause you're right. They're in a place of influence. And if they're just thinking in this one realm and they're not expanding and they're not talking and there isn't this like brotherhood that's being created or or sisterhood being created. Um, there's i think a lack of opportunity missing for everyone
0: yeah i mean it, it the adding supplementation and nutrition to a training protocol one significantly helps the trainer's clients and then two obviously adds a revenue stream for them that continues past them training you know it it will just it will just further it's, its so if you want
1: to take a week or two off a of training
0: They're still making money on the supplement. Can you
1: see the screen behind you? Yeah. 77% of people take supplements. So I try telling coaches this. I'm like, people are purchasing supplements. The lion's share is Amazon. People go on Amazon to purchase. You're in a state of influence. You're in a state of authority because people are coming to you. They're placing their trust in you. To me, it's like you can really help navigate them to make sure they're making wise, intelligent purchases versus falling for whatever marketing they might be seeing online. And, you know, there's a lot of basic things like everyone's like, what makes DFS better? There's basic stuff like our absorption, like we use um, all of our chelates are the most absorbable form of chelates. Our B vitamins are activated, our fish oils like in triglyceride form, which makes it more bioavailable. Like we take a lot of effort to make these great things the average consumer isn't going to research any of this stuff. Like I thought when I was younger, I was taking the Flintstone multivitamins. you remember those? Those are great. I thought I would eat those and I was superhuman. Like they're not great supplements, but the trainer can sort of act as the Sherpa for all their clients, get all this knowledge and then make calculated um, suggestions because people are putting their faith in them. And they're, so they're helping people. They're getting better results, as you mentioned. And then they're also creating secondary or, or tertiary income streams that can help support their business. And you, you brought up a really good point. We, no one ever was gonna predict COVID. And you know, I'm from Toronto. Gyms were closed for like, uh, I think it, it was insane amount of time, like almost a year, it was like on, off, on, off. So if you're a trainer and your bread and butter is coming from one-on-ones and you can't do it, setting up this revenue stream gives you the ability to now survive and still help your clients achieve the results that you want them to get.
0: Yeah. I mean, our, our Evo's business model came out of COVID because big box gyms shut down. All these trainers that were there had clients that they were now training out of home gyms, steel, you know, gym equipment went through the roof. I know. It It was like gold. There was, there was an eight month wait for Atlantis equipment and other gym equipment and Dumbbells alone were like two times what they normally were per pound. And so trainers were training out of apartment complexes, private home gyms, garages, these underground spaces that would stay open that, you know, shouldn't have been or whatever. But we saw that and we're like, okay, some are going to realize how much freedom they have Mm. and they still will not have a solution. So we need to be the solution. But education, the one thing that, you know Equinox does a great job of is the the education component and i i really respect you know their process of going up to tier x at the you know high end of needing to continue education and i think it sounds like that's important for trainers you know working with DFS because they need to know the benefits of because the average consumer doesn't understand bioavailability and they're going to a lot of them are price hunting on Amazon, yes. which sucks. And so there's a massive market. Whole Foods has proven it. Equinox has proven it. Um, people are willing to pay more, but they need to be educated on the benefits hundred, of why.
1: And it's, you know, it's a mirror to what you're saying about like if you're $150 an hour, you know, but you get the lion's share of it, it's more money than you're $200 an hour where you get 40% or 60% of it. If you're taking a bunch of supplements that are not absorbing and they're wrong for you, It's costing you more money than paying the right amount for a good, high-quality supplement that's actually helping you out. And it's like framing it that way. But I think as professionals, we call them fit pros, like who we work with. Fit pros need to understand that and then distill it down. Yes. It's...
0: Do you guys have an education program to take trainers through?
1: We're developing one. We have a really good nutrition program that uh, Sylvie Tetro, she's on our board. She She's a nutritionist for like a bunch of NHL players, Gen Pop. She's amazing. Um, we are planning on launching that midway through the year. However, um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things in development right now. Like we're a small team, so we're doing the best we can. But we have our monthly master classes, um, which are recorded live. We have the summit that's coming up. Um we are going to have more education coming from Jill and Melissa, who are experts in nutrition on, and you know in their own right um we're going to start building more online courses and doing more in person education. That's always been like the cornerstone. If you look at Designs for Health, the parent company um they are they actually started as education and then started selling supplements and I always had the same mindset for d f s It's like <clears throat> we need more education, and even this podcast to me it's like What are three things? If someone's listening to us for an hour, I want them to get three things they're going to be able to take with them to involve their life. And, like, really, it's not just about, I I never want this to be like a shameless plug for our supplements. It's like, I I want you on because I really respect your entrepreneurial mind. And I think that they can benefit from hearing the way that you frame your life and how you're sort of setting everything up. So, yeah, education for us is like crucial, I guess, is the direct answer.
0: Well, and so to that point, I think. People are more receptive to being educated if, because everyone's selfish, like fundamentally in economics, you learn that economics doesn't matter unless you believe in scarcity, right? So scarcity has to be a thing for any of economics to work. So I think understanding humans, fundamentally we are selfish. That's not, I know selfish is a negative connotation, but we just are, we are self-interested. So if you can help people, Database a base, understand the value that they're going to receive by being educated, they're going to be more receptive. We see that a lot in marketing. It's like, we need to directly tell people why what we're about to tell them is going to
1: impact their lives well, positively. you know, this idea of selfish, um, there's another great book, Never Split the Difference. Have you read that? It's like a negotiation book. You don't want anyone leaving a negotiation feeling like they've lost or won. The idea is you both win. So how do we make our interests co-self, like selfish together? So at DFS, it's like, we selfishly want to do really well in this space. We're going to produce the best supplements, the highest level of education we can, give you the best customer service, live to our values. We want you to get the best results. You selfishly want to get the best results because it's going to get you a business that's going to thrive. Your patients and your clients selfishly want to feel the best. So it's like, we can all win here as long as we're all aligned and and sort of on the same wavelength. And even with you guys in Evo, it's like you guys want to have 50 trainers in a location. You're big enough. You can do it. And you selfishly want them to come to you. But at the same time, look at everything, all the problems you're solving with your, your platform for a lot of these trainers out there. So it's like a dual, this idea that we're, we're all sort of winning together.
0: Yeah. And our goal is, is to help and empower trainers. And even that, is selfish, like you know, even Mother Teresa, in my opinion, was because you you get benefit out of helping people. Like mm-hmm. chemically, you're going to receive a benefit. So there's you know philosophical argument on.
1: <laughs> I was gonna go. We could go really deep into that. We argument. could because
0: yeah. I I just had this was actually a debate when I was in high school. We had a debate on this. So we had to write papers on is selflessness even a thing and I don't I personally don't believe it is I don't think it's bad that it isn't um, it is a,
1: it's a thing if you believe in non-duality but I guess with duality no
0: yeah well you're always going to receive a benefit yeah that's the problem so it's um,
1: take, it's not a take problem. no shit do no harm that's that's the way to I love
0: that yeah, yeah and that's so that's I guess where I was going with it is everything that we do is with the soul purpose of how can we provide the best offering to better empower and impact Mm -hmm. a trainer's business journey.
1: Um, So how does this relate to a trainer? How can a trainer in your mind, let's say you're now coaching, there's a hundred people listening, a thousand people listening, whatever. How would you coach that trainer to think for their business?
0: Well, if a trainer's in, in Texas or in Dallas, (laughs) I'd say, come to Evo. If, if you're not, I mean, I would, really take inventory of where you're spending your time and what you're doing. You've built this captive audience. If you have a book of business, what there are other ways that you can positively impact your client's life lives. So do that. You know, what things are you qualified to do? Um, Can you add in supplementation? Can you add in meal meal prep and meal planning? Even if you are not a certified, um, Dietitian or registered nutritionist, you can still learn enough or partner with companies like yourself and meal prep companies to make money through affiliate mm. deals and add value to your clients. Like, how the question should be for anyone, honestly, in business is how can you add more value to whoever your end consumer is?
1: I couldn't agree more. Leverage other people's genius to help your client. They, and again, now you're going to help other people. You're building a network. You're building a, a community that will support you.
0: Building awareness for your mm-hmm. brand. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, yeah, like, like you said, the goal is to create wins for everyone.
1: My favorite thing in life, you and I are very similar this way. I love connecting people to make wins happen.
0: It's a great, it's one of the best feelings.
1: We, it, it is. And if you can get out of the small, like, what am I going to get out of the, like, the, I need to get something out of the small win. What I've seen in life is I constantly get bigger wins not even just financially, but like I built really good friendships. Um, you know, like anytime I've gone through a, a rough period in life, it's like that knowing I have these community to fall onto because I've always tried to help them out. And you can weed through who's just a, you know, someone who's like a vampire who's going to steal from you and somebody who actually wants to help you win because you're going to help them win and you guys sort of elevate each other.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I think use is the opposite of love i don't think it's hate i think if you're willing to use someone and don't care to add any value back to their life then that is the lowest like you have zero respect for them as a person
1: it's yeah that's probably a really good place to end actually (laughs) (laughs) no but before we do end um so just to summarize everything because i like to give a little like quick note like i think some of the genius that you've poured onto us is one like don't just look at the dollar. <clears throat> look at like efficiency of time, where you can have the biggest impact with the least amount of time. Look at your life from a three sixty lens. It's where you're gonna be happiest and most fulfilled. Um, I think the best analogy you gave was the idea of like you started a firm, you build your book of business, you then maybe learn some X skills, and then you sort of build your own thing. And we really haven't had that path in training and. Evo's offering something that's very unique, I think, that a lot of trainers might be interested in. Um, Set up multiple streams of income. Um, What am I missing here? Oh, the association with fear, like betting on yourself. I think that's a a big one. And controlling what you can control and don't worry about what you can't control.
0: And always figure out how to add value to every deal and every person that you're dealing with.
1: Amazing. So if people want to find you, it's evo.com. Evo.gems on Instagram.
0: Okay. Um, my personal's Nick Valenta underscore. I'm not that cool, so I have the underscore at the <laughs> I, end. <laughs> I do too.
1: I got born underscore, uh, underscore boxer, B-O-K-S-E-R. Um, yeah, so we'll put all your info down if people want to find you. And I really appreciate you sharing some time with us today.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me on. Well, thank is you. This
1: great. Thank you again for joining us in Leaders in Sport. I'm your host, Jordan Boxer, and we just want to thank you from everyone at Designs for Sport for giving us your time and attention. We hope to continue to bring you episodes that will help pique your interest and help you elevate your career so we can elevate the industry. Thank you.